Thank you and welcome to the second edition of McKenna's NHL podcast via About.com Sports. I'm your lead NHL writer, Kyle McKenna. And first off, I just want to say thank you to everyone who listened in a little over a week ago to my first podcast. You know, I really appreciate all the support and feedback I received and I'm happy to do this again and hopefully I can gain some new listeners and for those returning, thank you again. Um, So today I'm going to discuss... Uh, looks like the New York Rangers from a McKenna's Digest question. And for new listeners, those of you who don't know, every Thursday I typically hold an NHL mail mailbag over Twitter, and by using the hashtag McKenna's Digest, and if you tweet it at me at k McKenna underscore TLT five, I usually answer people's questions you know, through an article with about sports, but with the uh, little podcast action going on now, I'm going to answer the questions over here. So we've got the Rangers on tap today, then the New York Islanders, um, and I'll get into my other playoff predictions, especially with Ovechkin and Crosby. But uh, first off, at Farmer John 22 wants to know where the New York Rangers would be where they would have been this season without uh, goaltender Henrik Lundqvist. And for you Broadway, you know, Blue Shirt fans and Garden Faithful, you know, people out there, you know, it was a reality check when you, the Rangers lost to the Penguins in five games in the first round, I think. Um, if you were to ask me entering the season where the Rangers would finish, I think I predict them to finish third in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, they were, they were right around there. Um, they finished third in, in the Metropolitan Division behind the Penguins and Capitals. But I thought they would have been a, a more complete team. And I realized I was, I always stressed from day one, hey, look, this team has played a lot of hockey over the last few years. No one's played in more playoff games than the New York Rangers had, you know, entering this playoffs over like the past two or three years. Not even the Blackhawks, Los Angeles Kings. So it's a lot of hockey, and the and the the brand of hockey they played, um, you know, was physical, blocking shots. Um, so some of their defensemen, you know, unfortunately may have aged, quote unquote, a little faster than some other D men. Um, but they're also given bad contracts. But in any event, let's get uh, let's get to the question here. Um, I think the Rangers would have been a, a bubble team without Lundqvist. Um, I think they I, I think they still want to make the playoffs look like everything I just said, but you can kind of throw that out the window for a second because the Rangers they had a good team. They didn't just get you know over a hundred points this year because of Henrik Lundqvist. You know I think Lundqvist is one of the best goalies I've ever seen. Dominic Hasek was the best goalie I ever saw. Then Marty Brodeur, uh, with my two eyes, but Henrik Lundqvist, he's one of the best. There, I mean, there's no doubt this guy is the heart and soul of the New York Rangers, and I mean, I don't think they would not be in the playoffs if, you know, it weren't for him this year, but, uh, you know, I, I do think they would probably be a bubble team, you know, without him, but anyway, let me just move on to this with the Rangers fans, because, you know, I'm not calling you guys out or anything, and, and like I said before, hey, look, you know, they've, they've played a lot of hockey, so it's going to be tough for them to really make a run this year, it's just kind of how, not only in professional sports how it works, but specifically in the NHL because it's such a grind this season compared to other sports. But I feel like people entered the playoffs with like this excuse like, you know, the Rangers are like, oh, we're not going to win. Pittsburgh's like, you know, head and shoulders above us and we're, you know, we're, we're just not that good. It just like stop right there. Just just stop. Like I said before, like the Rangers didn't finish where they did solely because of Henrik Lundqvist. Okay? They had a good team. 
Were they as good as the Pittsburgh Penguins? No. And clearly not. You know, other than Washington in the East. I mean, Florida played really well. You know, no one was really as good as the Pittsburgh Penguins. They took their game to a whole new level, but the Rangers got ran out of town. And they're not that bad. And people go directly towards Dan Girardi or Lundquist looked a little off. There's no offense, Rick Nash. Okay. You know, I, I can't really disagree with any of those points. But what I was kind of wondering is no one was bringing up the head coach in all of this, Aline Vigneault. Because the biggest takeaway I got from the Rangers losing in five games from the Pittsburgh Penguins was they gave up. And they gave up on each other. I've been there, done that. I know other guys who have played the game have been on good teams where maybe, you know, they exceeded expectations because they, they pulled together as a unit and as a team. And I think that was the Rangers' identity the last few years of making the playoffs was they had something special there and everyone really just kind of united and they pulled together as one and took down their opponents. This time around, it was just kind of like, you know, you could see their faces on the benches. It was just, they wanted... Not It wasn't all the guys, don't get me wrong, but a majority of the guys' um, faces on the bench kind of resemble like, hey, man, I'm just going to go out here. I'm just going to play for myself. I don't really care about, you know, what the actual outcome is of the series. Like, you know, my butt's kind of on the line. I'm going to do me. You do you. And, hey, if you mess up, it's okay because we're going to lose anyway. That's what I saw. And I'm not necessarily, while the, these athletes are professionals, they still have coaches I'm kind of questioning Elaine Elaine Vigneault in that because the Rangers, you know, they just, they didn't look like that same team. They didn't have that same will and team attitude. And I think that's why they lost in five games. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to tie this in with the Henrik Lundqvist question. I mean, look, you know, you you heard my piece about Henrik Lundqvist, but I think naturally uh, Hank is one of those guys who feeds off of his team's pride and emotion. So while, you know, maybe Lundqvist has kept the Rangers in it and been an inaugural part to their their key runs over the last couple years, I think he fed off of that team first, hey, we're a unit, we're in this together mentality, and it almost helped him better perform, rise to the occasion and become, you know, live up to his name, the king. And I think we saw in that Pittsburgh series, the last two games, you know, what do you allow, 10, 11 goals? I don't care how good the Pittsburgh Penguins are and how hot they were. You're you're not that good where you're putting 10 or 11 goals past Henrik Lundqvist. So I think something internally was wrong there and not just with the skill for the Rangers. And I I, I do. I, I kind of question, you know, the coaching here. I'm not really sure why anyone else is. You know, I, I fully understand Elaine Vigneault's track record. I, you know, I don't need a history lesson, but... By the look of the eye and looking at the Rangers, it was clearly more than just talent there and some preparation and just inspiration, motivation, whatever you want to call it. So, hey, my little hobbits, that's my rant about the New York Rangers. But let's get into the New York Islanders now. Wow. That's that's what I have to start with is wow. Bravo, uh, Mr. Tavares and Thomas Grice. And I know on the first edition here of McKenna's NHL podcast, I was uh, saying if the Islanders lost in the first round, that Capuana should go. And I don't think people would disagree with me, but they did win. And in six games over a good Florida Panthers team. And when I mean nobody picked the Islanders to win, I, I mean that nobody 
besides maybe their own fan base really generally pick you know the orange and blue to beat Yama Yaga and the uh, Florida Panthers but um, what I really want to focus on here with the Islanders is a is not only is John Tavares now really getting that national spotlight he's deserved uh, the past couple of years he might be one of the league's best captains I think him and Jonathan Taze you know you could really make a, a solid argument for uh, Taze being right in the same conversation I mean excuse me Tavares being the same con- conversation as Taze for uh, you know one of the NHL's best captains um, and not you know he's not just one of those guys he wears a C because he's the most talented player on his team He he's like a tease he does whatever it takes for his team to win and if that means he's got to throw his body around a little more block shots work on some other aspects of the game other than producing you know goals and and making plays up front you know he he does all those of those intangibles so I think hey you gotta you gotta tip your hat to that guy and he's another one like uh, I was just saying before with Henrik Lundqvist who feeds off of his team's emotions I think without a doubt you know Tavares kind of takes this aurora that can surround the Islanders when things are going well there and just run with it he embraces those big moments when the lights are on you know he's that star who comes out to play and he wants the puck on his stick and whether he's scoring the game-winning goal or setting up a guy to get that big you know timely goal he comes through and in New York that's you know the the deal breaker right in New York sports all the pressure here this is the metro area everyone's got to be the best but I think the deal breaker is a guy who takes responsibility for you know what he can can and cannot do when John Tavares isn't playing well he'll just come out and say look I need to play better he's not really making excuses or finger pointing and then what does he go out there and you know and do he goes out there and plays better and having one heck of a playoff right now so now you know the Islanders are tied with the Tampa Bay Lightning 1-1 it's going to be another tough series I really thought you know Isles Florida was going to go seven games it didn't went six I don't see this uh, like a five-game series, six-game series. You know, I see this one going seven. I picked, I got to be honest, I picked the Tampa Bay Lightning to win in seven. It just, I, it's, it was so hard to do though because I do feel like the Islanders have like this, this kind of certain magic and I'm sure, you know, Mets fans can relate to. It's kind of ironic, but you, you, you almost know when like the New York Mets or the Giants are going to make a run, right? When, you know, if they just get out of the first round and it kind of seems like everything is going in their favor, whether they give you a heart attack or not. It's just like this certain magic and aurora surrounding the team. And I think the Islanders have that right now. But you can't be ignorant to the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning do as well. You know, they've accomplished a lot without Steven Stamkos and Anton Strauman on the back end. So while, hey, the Islanders have something really special going on and it's awesome for this area, you do also have to acknowledge who they're playing and it's a good, well-tested Tampa Bay Lightning team, and they've, you know, they've got a pretty good head coach over there, and John Cooper is going to make sure they're prepared. I think ultimately it's going to come down to goaltending, and while Thomas Grice has been unbelievable to say the least for the Islanders, I don't think anyone really expected this. I mean, it's just kind of like, how can you go against Ben Bishop? You know, Vezina Trophy finalist again, and he looks good. He had a you know, shaky first game, but yeah, hey. It's going to happen. The The Lightning had a bit of a layer over there compared to, compared to other teams when, you know, hey, they beat the Red Wings in five games. So that's that. I mean, I, you know, I almost, I, I kind of am like I'm rooting for the Islanders to win. And I think it would be awesome and great and what a story and everything that, you know, I said before at Tavares, it, it would just be great for the, for hockey. But it just, I, I think Tampa Bay's got this one. 
And then we can move on over to the Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby saga. Um, So the Capitals and the Penguins are meeting in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2009. So this is only the second time that Crosby and Ovi have uh, faced off in, hey, the run for the Stanley Cup. Two games in, series tied one apiece. Um, This is another one. It's got to go seven. It's just going to go back and forth, and it's going to be a matter of who makes less mistakes. Um, You know, these are, if if you watch the games, um, it's just been great hockey, hasn't it? Really good hockey, but... You know, Murray looks like the real deal. He's he's very composed between the pipes. You know, he kind of sure they the Penguins handled the Rangers, but Murray also had to come in and, and and be the guy. And and you still have to win, right? You can't just go out there and the game's not going to be handed to you. So he did that. I thought he played really well against the Rangers, and he's looked really well so far in the first two games versus the uh, the Capitals here. So series heads back to Pittsburgh after the first two games in Washington, one one. I have the Capitals in seven. This is, I think it's their year, and as good as the Penguins have been, the Capitals have a little more size. Um, I think, you know, I think Holpe in a game seven can be the best player on their team, and even if maybe perhaps you think the Penguins are kind of outplaying the Capitals, I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Holpe will bail them out in a way, and he's going to be the guy who's going to get them over the hump here against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins in the, you know, the second round of the playoffs and, and win that game seven for them. So, yeah, Capitals in seven. And then if we look over at the Western Conference, you've got the San Jose Sharks taking on the Nashville Predators. They each uh, played the role as, of underdog heading into the playoffs where the Sharks um, you know, had the Los Angeles Kings finish second place in the Pacific Division. The Sharks finished third. Uh, the Nashville Predators were a wild card team and they took on the uh, Pacific Division champions, the Anaheim Ducks. But a majority of people were surprised that the Predators uh, defeated the Ducks, especially after all the adversity the Ducks had um, overcame this past season. In any event, I have the San Jose Sharks in six. And then between the St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars series, I have St. Louis in six as well. I just think St. Louis is a more complete team than Dallas. They have better goaltending. Dallas's goaltending has just been... It, I can't even say it's been up and down. It's just been average and down. You know, and these guys rotating in and out, Antti Niemi and Kerry Lettinen. So until the Stars get goaltending, they're just a good team who, who's probably going to lose in, you know, middle-round playoff games. Um, you know, second round. And St. Louis, they're my cup finalists from the Western Conference. And I just, I think it's their time. And I think the timing is right because, look, now... Hey, they beat the uh, the Blackhawks in seven games. They proved they can take down Patrick Kane and company. And now it's kind of like, who's in their way? I think you're going to see a good matchup in the Western Conference Finals with the San Jose Sharks and St. Louis Blues. I know for the Northeast, it's really not the sexiest matchup, but it is really cool. There are definitely some interesting backstories there between both teams with their coaching staff, the players, San Jose specifically, really interesting stuff there. Um, I was telling someone the other day that they kind of remind me of the Boston Red Sox, right? Back in 2004 and all those other years between them and the Yankees, it was like, ah, the Yankees just kept winning. And that's kind of how it is in the West with a couple teams and the San Jose Sharks were just they were always really good and just found a way to to lose they found ways to lose they have some character not characters like Hall of Fame type players on their team but then you got guys like uh Norris Trophy finalist Brent Burns who's growing this awesome uh you can't even compare it 
playoff beard. He grows it all year round, and Joe Thornton's got this beard. So they've got that like 2004 Red Sox swag to them, and I think you know they're they're just a really cool team right now to follow. Um, so you'll see those two teams in the Western Conference Finals, and then in the Eastern Conference Finals, you're going to see the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Washington Capitals. Um, so until that happens, that's another discussion for another time. But I just wanted to say thank you again for everyone to listening. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to have one of your questions, you know, one of your hockey questions answered over my podcast or in an article, you can start by following me on Twitter. It's at kmckenna underscore tlt5 and just use the hashtag McKenna's Digest and uh, tweet me an NHL-related re- question, and I'll be sure to answer it. And also, if you could, uh, just check out more of my work at proicehockey.about.com.